With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're home alone. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. Like someone or something is wanting you. Why is it suddenly cold in this room? You hear footsteps, whispers, or even laughter. You go to check. You feel a presence behind you. And then the fear sets in. I'm K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. Yeah, so my name is Chris Boris. I am I, I call myself a ghost behaviorist. I'm the very first one, and I call myself that because I study the behavior patterns of spirits. And this is the first time anyone has actually done something like this. I'm well versed in psychology, sociology, and I've actually come up with a, a classification system for ghosts that is truly groundbreaking. And it allows me to figure out, you know, uh what spirits want, what they need, how to heal them. And this is just really a cut above what you've probably seen or heard in the paranormal field. Uh, I've been doing this for well over a decade now. Uh, I thought of a new approach to the field back in 2012 because I was kind of fed up with ghost hunting shows. You know, I, I we, around that time, there were about 100 on TV uh, but they were all doing the same thing, and I, I feel like ever since then, the field has kind of stalled out. So I wanted to bring it to a new level, and I, I feel that my research, being a ghost behaviorist, has done just that. Okay, so you mentioned the ghost hunting um, programs and things. Um, I started watching them at first, but all of them basically do the same thing. I mean, they can't possibly, you know, really kind of come to any type of conclusion from the very short period of time that they are there. But I mean, are they really, are they more sensationalized um, for entertainment purposes? Or do you think they are truly going in there trying to figure out if a place is haunted and, and if they can actually do anything about it? Yeah. Well, the problem with the ghost field is that there are a finite set of scenarios that can exist with the way they are approaching with their current methodology. And since, like, like I said, since 2008, they haven't really done anything fresh and new with the field uh, to give us something that breaks the mold. I mean, sure, we're getting new tools and things like that in the field, but nothing that really pushes the envelope by today's standards. And I mean, uh, being a video editor myself, I know you have to sensationalize things just a little bit, just so, you know, you've got to keep people entertained. So you've got to cut out the boring parts and 
And sometimes it takes a while to get things going. So in essence, yeah, there is that aspect of, you know, trying to pump up the, the feel a little bit through the, the power of editing. Uh, some shows I think might push that a little bit further than, than other shows. Uh, for the in, most in, part, I, in I, what I, way? In what way? Uh, so, like, I watched an episode of Ghost Hunters, uh, like, two weeks ago, and I could just tell that they didn't really get anything at this location that they're at. So there was anything, I mean, a, a pin drop that happened, it's like, oh, oh, what was that? What was that? Because, you know, they've got to kill time. So it's just, if nothing happens, you know, they got to fill that 44 minutes. So they're going to do it any way they can. Whereas, you know, other weeks, if things are just exploding, you know, it's hard to put all that in one episode. So I understand why they do some of the things they do. Um, but the interesting thing about where the approach that I use is it's so effective. Like, I, I don't think you could fill everything that I get during an investigation in 44, uh, a 44-minute block because when I come in and I use psychology and come at them with the spirits, things just explode around me. And I end up having interactions that are, and I kid you not, that are 60 minutes long, 90 minutes long. I had an interaction last so long. I'm like, I got to go to bed. I, 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 I can't do this anymore. So it, this, you know, this is the next step in the ghost hunting field by using psychology and, and breaking down the spirit world by the mindsets and classifying them. So, and, and we can get into all that later, but uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. And so I didn't think about that. Um, they can't possibly get something at every single location. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, do they scrap those really? They probably don't. I mean, they're already there. They've they've paid to travel to these places, so yeah. they start creating stuff, you know? <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, all right. So, yes, I do want to talk about your your interactions and things like that. But first, I want to go back to your um, – you said you, you study the behavior p- patterns, the, the behavioral patterns of spirits. I haven't heard that ever before. Tell me about that. I mean, what – got you there i mean what took you there yeah so this is pretty revolutionary um so i was reading things like the tibetan book of the dead the egyptian book of the dead and this was back in like 2010 and i was brushing up on psychology and sociology and i i I was finding that there are certain things that will make people interact with you and there's just a lot of philosophy behind it and I was thinking, well, I was trying – at the time, I was decoding things like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, like I said. And I, I was kind of laying it down into the foundations of psychology. And I'm like, wow, there's something to this. If I can apply this to the spirit world, this would be something. So in 2012, I ended up going to the St. Augustine Lighthouse. And that, of course, is a very infamous place where they got shadow people and things like that. What's interesting, though, is when I went and used this new foundation that I was working on, it was still in its infancy, I didn't interact with any shadow people. But I did interact with, like, three different spirits there. And the way I came at them was so uh, – it, it interested them so much 
that they ended up talking to me for 90 minutes long. And even the tour guide, he's like, I I've been doing tours here for like two, three years. I've never seen the spirits act like this to anyone. What, what so do you I mean I'll... talking to you? Explain that a little bit. Okay, so I had uh, K2 meters and devices that they can set off, and we were asking them to set it off to, um, to signify yes or no questions. And the way they were setting these meters off, it lasted longer than he's ever seen before. So it just blew him away. And I mean, we were down there, or we were on the, in the facility for about three, four hours. And this was the only time the meter would spike was when I asked the question. So without a doubt, you know, this wasn't a fluke. So one of, so one of the inter more interesting things that came out of the conversation, and this is, you know, another level to this, what I call this next level ghost hunting, the questions that I ask these spirits are a cut above what you've seen other people talk about on TV shows. When I was interacting with these spirits, you know, I, I was like, okay, this is a once in a lifetime thing. So why not ask really pertinent questions about the afterlife? So what happened is I would start talking, you know, I'd start tiptoeing around those waters and, and saying, well, you know, how is the afterlife? Or, or do you have a body? Don't you have a body? And the, the, the meters would all stop spiking. I was like, okay, that's weird. So I would have to spend like five minutes trying to coax the spirit back into the conversation. Once we got into a conversation, I'd throw all these fluffball questions at the, the spirit that I was talking to. Her name was Eliza. And I was asking her things like, oh, how many sisters do you have? Do you like being here? You know, very fluffball questions. And then, I was, then you know, once that level of comfort was established, then I'd go back in. I'd be like, Okay, well, uh, so are you just a ball of light, or how does this work? And again, all the meters in the room stopped responding to my line of questioning. So I sat there, I'm like, wait, what, what is going on here? Every time I keep asking about things about the afterlife that humans don't know, the meter stops spiking. So I'm like, is there something preventing her from answering these questions? So I point blank, when I got her back into this conversation, I point blank asked her, I'm like, are there rules to the afterlife that you need to follow? And she said, yes. That just blew me away. So I said, well, you get in trouble if you talk about these things. Yes. Was this an audible yes or were you getting a yes? Yeah. A, a, so, a, tell me about that. Was it, let me, let me, let me finish this real quick. Was it an audible yes or were you saying, okay, if yes, then make this you know, light up or whatever. Yeah, the yes was signified through pings on the meter. And you can see this for yourself I've on my YouTube channel. It's called Ghost Doctor. It's the very first episode. Uh, just type in Ghost Doctor Chris on YouTube. You'll be able to find it and watch the uh, St. Augustine Lighthouse ep uh, episode. Everything, everything I'm talking about is documented. So through this conversation, I was able to find out that uh, spirits are bound by a set of rules in the afterlife, kind of like what we have the Ten Commandments here in the living state. They will get in trouble if they they break these rules. They they have to serve some kind of penance. And 
this is interesting because if these things are in place, that means that somebody is policing the afterlife, which then brings up religion and the tier system of who polices the afterlife. So this just gets down a heady discussion of what's going on behind the veil. And I've even asked uh, other spirits that I've got into conversations with in, in subsequent episodes that you'll see. Uh, I think it's episode three, the Collingwood Arts episode, where I ask another spirit point blank, are the rules to the afterlife? And yep, she confirmed it. So there are many spirits that I have interacted with that confirm that there are rules to the afterlife. This is not conjecture. This is fact. Let's talk about, wow, that's, um, hmm, that is really interesting. And I'm going to put that on my, my bucket list. Uh, you said St. Augustine <laughs> Lighthouse, right? Yeah, and you can try it for yourself. If you get into an interaction with a spirit, ask them, hey, are there rules to the afterlife? See what they say. What, kind of, what kind of things have been happening at the, the lighthouse there? What kind of things do the visitors <clears throat> experience or the workers there experience? So I don't know the full history. I've only been there once. Uh, but so what really put them on the map was, and I think it was 2006, the ghost hunters went there, and they ended up getting the infamous shadow person at the top uh, level that, that leaned over the tower's railing, and you could see it. It was kind of like the shot heard around the world in the paranormal field. Like, oh, my gosh, the first time or one of the first times we've gotten some great evidence of a shadow person. So, I mean, the shadow person reports were rampant for many years. But when I went, I didn't, I didn't experience any of that. But I did get into conversations with the spirits there. And there's a couple lighthouse keepers. Uh, there's a little girl there. Uh, I shouldn't say little. Uh, she's 14 years old. That She died tragically on the site there. And it's interesting because when I was interacting with her, uh, I was able to establish that spirits have a sense of humor. They retain memories after they die. Uh, another thing is that they can fall in love even after they've died because this, this spirit was uh, really infatuated with one of the tour, uh, the, one of the tour guides that worked there. Like she was attracted to him and every time he would do his tours, she would always come around. And I asked her point blank. I'm like, do you like this, this guy romantically? And she's like, yes. So it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. I've never heard of anything like that before. So there's a lot of firsts that you'll see in this doc, Ghost Doctor show. And I've got uh, 10 episodes now. And the new season starts uh, next week because I've got a new episode. That all all right of those now. on YouTube, right? Yes. Got you. Okay. So you want to give me the link for that and I'll, I'll make sure it gets on the website. Okay. So I want to talk about the classifications of the behavioral pat patterns yep, and... Certainly. Um, when did you start to notice it has to be, what, were you trying, did you come up with this? I never thought about it like that, but you know, anything's possible, but did you come up with the theory that, yeah, there, <laughs> you guys can be classified by your behavior. How did you come up with that? Exactly. Right. So everything, it goes back to mind states. You know, I was reading, I was reading psychology and in psychology, you know, they have different they they break everything down. And I thought, well, why not, why not break down the spirit world based on their mindset? Because that, that seems to be the key here. Uh, you know, even Plato, you know, who, whose writings happened thousands of years ago, even he came up with this really interesting theory of how to break down 
society, and it's all based on their mindset. So th this is just a, a constant thing that just keeps reoccurring over and over. So while I was writing my book, I came up with six different spirit types, uh, and I've been working on that since uh, 2015. That's when, when my book came out. I've evolved the classification list slightly in the last year or so to include seven in all, which is nice because seven is the God's number and, and very spiritual. So I am glad I have seven in all. Uh, but and they are what? Because, what are they? Tell us. That. Okay, so the seven that I have is hungry, confused, stuck, helper, wandering, parasite, and destructive. Now, I can break all those down uh, right now if you'd like me to. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so what I find is that after the point of death, you know, there's a couple of ways that humans can die. And the the main way that, that people die is, is from natural causes. Now, 99% of people will move on to where they need to go in the afterlife. But there's that 1% that they have unfinished business, they don't have uh, they're, they don't want to move on. So I label those the hungry ghost. And this is based off the Tibetan philosophy from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, where they have the hungry ghost realm, where it states in there that the, the ghosts that are in this realm are left behind because they have unfinished business. You know, don't think of a physical hunger. Think of a psychological hunger. You know, they, they, they have that drive to stick around and and finish the unfinished business, whether it's you know watching over loved ones, uh, trying to get something accomplished before they die, seeing Rome, <laughs> you know whatever it might be, uh, it, it's unfinished business. So that is the hungry spirit. The next spirit type is okay. If you if you die of natural causes, on the other side of the coin, you have people that are that are killed. Uh, instantly, abruptly, you know, plane crash, car crash, things like that. And what happens is they might be unaware that they've died. And this is where we we get uh, the those spirits that are on a loop, which are the um, the non-intelligent haunting. Oh, you're talking about residual, residual, residual haunting. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. And it, it, I have a whole theory to that, but that goes down a long rabbit hole. But those are the confused spirits. From the so from the hungry state, since most of the spirits that we find in the afterlife are you know have unfinished business, uh, we find that many psychological states spin out of the hungry state. So the first state that we have is the stuck spirit. Now these are spirits that that feel physically stuck or psychologically stuck in the situation they are in. That's an actual classification that you have. Is stuck? Is that the next one? Yes, the stuck spirit. Gotcha. And these are spirits that are going through the stages of denial. You know, they're they're stuck. They're 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 bargaining with a higher power like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm in this state. Please help me. And or or they're in the depressed state. So they're they're working through that. And these are many of the spirits that we find in attics and basements because they, they like to stay out of normal foot traffic areas. These are kind of like the, um, uh, the, the, the introverted spirit of the afterlife. And then on the other side of the coin, we have wandering spirits that they just wander into different locations in the afterlife. You know, think of like the tourist guide of the afterlife. They, they just 
They're very extroverted. I've been at locations where I interact with spirits that have no affiliation to the place whatsoever. And I ask them, are you a wandering, are, is you, are you just wandering through? And they say, yep. And then they stop talking to me. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, we have the wandering spirit. And, and then this is a new classification I came up with. And this is the helper spirit. These are ghosts, usually fam family members that are hanging around and assist the living in trying to help them through prob problems and things like that. Uh, a lot of times when we find in uh, situations where a demon or something has come into a house, many times you'll find that there is a family member also in the house trying to protect them because uh, trying to create a barrier between the demon and the family members. So we often see that. Uh, the next classification is the parasite spirit. Now, this is interesting because when I talk about the hungry spirit, this is what happens when their hunger becomes insatiable. Um, or, yeah. So these are spirits that just constantly like to feed off a person. They have failed coping mechanisms where they constantly, you know, they're on the move. They're like, oh, I need to, I need to do this and constantly feed off somebody. And, and uh, you know, we, we probably know a lot of these people in our, our personal lives as well. <laughs> you know, they just don't know when enough is enough. And they can feed off people, items, or locations as well. And then the the last spirit type is if they've, com they've gone completely unhinged, we have the destructive spirit type. And these, you know, it's kind of like dealing with an alcoholic. Uh, they're, they have a need for destruction. They're full of rage. And these are, you know, these can come in many forms, demonic, uh, humans that are just, you know, very angry about the way they died or they, they can't cope with how they died and they just spin out of control. And basically the, the, the main goal of all these spirit classifications is to try to neutralize them, get them back, center them so you can move them on to where they need to go. Because in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, in there it talks about there are six different realms in the afterlife. I should say six major realms in the afterlife because there's, there's many, many, many realms. But what we want to do is even out these spirits that are you know in these different spirit type classif classifications, and then move them on to the the realm that they need to go to because if they're they're stuck here for 150 years or so, you know that that's not good for anybody. <laughs> so that's, but you're you're saying that these stuck spirits, the ones you're labeling as stuck, they're stuck for, they're stuck because they want to be stuck. Yeah, it could be that simple. Other times, it could just be they. They're afraid of what's going on in the afterlife. And this, this leads down to another um, piece of this is that when you die, you can create your own reality. Okay, think of like the holodeck on Star Trek. You can create and manifest what's in your mind. So you project that forward. And sometimes some of these stuck spirits, they might be scared of what's out there. So they're just, you know, they're, they're hiding out in a place that's familiar. They, they don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to, you know, go outside of their comfort zone. And the problem is, you know, if somebody comes in and cleanses the house, they can't go back to the house. So it's like, well, they got to go somewhere else. So 
a lot, you know, what I've been saying for the past couple of years is we're on the tipping scale of a paranormal pandemic because nobody's really getting down to the root of the problem of healing the spirits. All they're doing is, is healing spaces and not the, the entities doing the problems to begin with. So we really need to come up with tools to alleviate those problems. Got you. So you're saying stuck, stuck spirits, whether they're stuck by choice or just stuck for some other reason, that's what you're saying there for that. Correct. Or they could be physically stuck where, um, you know, someone has come in, uh, and the spirit is attached to an item. So they'll, they'll like with the, the Annabelle doll is a perfect example where there is a spirit inside that doll and, um, a, a, a priest has to come out and re-bless the doll to make sure that spirit is physically stuck to that item and can't get out and, and cause all kinds of uh, problems for the living. Is that is that? I didn't know if that was. I didn't know that was a real, real thing. Oh yeah. I mean, is it? Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you something about um, your investigations. Let's talk about that because. Sure. You know, um, when you look at the the ghost hunter programs, they're not really going in there. Now that I think about it, when I said at the beginning, if you know, I, I think I made the um, assumption that they were actually going in there trying to help the people, but they actually don't. They just try to surmise whether or not it's it's haunted, and then they they move on somewhere else. But um, is that what you try to do when you're tell me tell me exactly how you do your investigations or and first of all, are you going in there afterwards if you, you know, see that it's haunted, are you offering that help to whoever's in that space? Yes, absolutely. So I in the next episode that I'm going to be uploading to my YouTube channel, I showcase this beautifully. Uh so I use when I come at this field, I do it through the eyes of a Buddhist. Uh, I use Buddhist philosophy. I use a lot of imagery from Buddhism and Eastern philosophy as well, you know, Taoism and things like that, uh, because I find that their tradition extends a lot further back than Christianity. So they got a better hold on what goes on in the, the paranormal field. And this is critical because no one I've ne- I haven't encountered anyone else that's using Buddhism in their practice. And this is, you know, it's kind of sad because they're not seeing the same thing that I'm seeing. So when I go into a place, I'm trying to heal the space as well as the spirits and the homeowners as well. So I go in, I use singing bowls because what I like to do is I like to, um, you know, I do chants to purify the air. I like to purify the vibrations, purify the atmosphere. There's like four different layers that I like to purify just to make sure that, you know, things go away. Uh, I are you are you purify. using bells as well? Bells? Yes. Bells, uh, incense, sage, things like that to alleviate the, the problems and the spirits that are, that are causing the problems. And you, you'll see in this this new episode that I upload, uh, I use something that it, that I've never seen before ever, but I used the very first portable altar, which I, I came up with this altar thing that I could assemble, do my thing, 
uh, disassemble and take it to the next place where, where it's needed. And it has all my tools that I use, and I'm able to really clean these places out um, probably better than the, the average bear. <laughs> gotcha. So to speak. That's awesome. And so, okay, I don't think I've heard anyone say that they actually use this type of method, but I do know that it it is helpful, like you're using frequency and sound to actually cleanse the space, which is a great idea, actually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you look at my one episode, and this, this blew me away because I didn't know this happened at the time of the recording, uh, but I was, um, if you look up Ghost Doctor uh, Oliver House, I was using my singing bowls to to purify this one area. Well, I had a camera set up on the opposite side of the building, many, many, many feet. I mean, this is a huge building. There's no way the the two locations that both these places occupied would have interacted with each other. But I had a meter set up with this um, camera aimed right at it. And right when I struck the bowl, on the other side of the building, the meter that was sitting on this table went absolutely nuts for two or three minutes that I was ringing the bowl on the other side of the, the building. And the spirits, it just really stirred the spirits up. And I, I, went, I went home later and I was watching the footage. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? This is amazing. So it's just when you watch these episodes, and I'm not just – it's uh, blowing smoke up your butt. Every episode has something that you've never, ever seen before or ever considered about the afterlife. You know, I'm here to try to find that next step. And things keep happening where it's like, oh, my God, I've never seen this before. So you're going to have quite the treat if you look up this uh, watch Ghost Doctor. Let's Let's talk about whether or not you – Protect yourself, okay, because you talked about parasite spirits <laughs> that literally are like energetic vampires um, draining people and probably making them do, do things that they wouldn't do normally. So and making them feel, you know, horrible, really, because that is happening. Have you ever picked up any type of attachment? And, and before you go into these locations, are you using some type of protection for yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I have prayer beads and things like that made of certain stones that are protection-like stones that, that protect me from this stuff. Because, look, if I open myself up completely, <laughs> they're going to eat me alive. Uh, in fact, I've got to cleanse my house out every month or two months because if, if I don't, it becomes Grand Central Station. And I've got kids here, and we don't want any of that stuff. You know, we, we have enough problems as it is um, without cleansing. But, yeah, I mean, you have to use protection, especially with what I do, because when I come at the spirit world, and I want to – I'm basically interviewing spirits. And when I do this, and I come at them, and I say, you know, look, I, I know what you're going through. I want to help you. I know that after you died, you looked into a mirror and you did not see your reflection. That probably scared you, right? Nine times out of ten, they say, yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. So when you come at them with that framework of uh, conversation, they're very interested. They're like, what is this guy up to? How does he know me? You know, so they want to they want to keep interacting with you even long after I'm gone. So I'm like, no, 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 you've got to stay. 
So there's certain mantras and chants that I say uh, to keep them and their energy at bay. So, yeah, I, I certainly uh, that is part of the game as well. Gotcha. Okay, so Chris, are you going into these locations by yourself, or do you have a small team that you work with? Uh, it's mostly myself. Uh, for the, the show that I do, I go in with cameramen, so I'm, I'm not really alone. Uh, every once in a while, I will bring in uh, another friend of mine. He's a Buddhist priest. And his name is Alan. He's just as educated as I am on the spirit world. So we're when it's like me and him going into an area, it's it's all kinds of crazy <laughs> going down. So yeah. Okay. So I also looked. I'm looking at the uh, website here. Hold on a minute. It's a city paper. Maybe it's not the whole thing. Um, it shows you um, having something where. You went to the Oliver Hotel. Tell me, yes. Oliver House, where yes. is that and, and what happened there? Okay, so that is the location where I had the singing bowls thing happen. Where Okay, where got you, got you. Mm-hmm. The, the, the meter was going crazy. Uh, the most interesting thing about this location, and this is in Toledo, Ohio. It's not too far from where I live. Uh, the most interesting thing that happened here is uh, there is a spirit of a woman that I think it was from 1899. Her husband went off to the Spanish-English War, and he never came back. So I was questioning her about this, and because I knew that she was going through some kind of emotional pain, even after you know 120 years, 120 years after it happened, you know she's still stuck in this, you know, little corner of the universe in the Oliver House there. So I was coming at her psychologically. And it was interesting because uh, I had a, a tape recorder running, and I got an EVP of her uh, saying the F word at me because I was hitting very, very close to her emotional center. And after I did that, I ended up getting an, a manifestation of a hand uh, just manifesting out of nowhere. And so I, I, I like to call it a manifestation on command because this is basically what I was kind of ramping up to. I'm like, you need to manifest for me. And she she did it in spades. But the problem is, you know, she, spirits, especially when a camera is trained on the exact position where they're trying to manifest in, they can't do it. And if they do do it, it's going to last only a couple frames of video long because it's quicker than the mind's eye. For it, it, What's nice about our universe is there's all kinds of fail-safes embedded into it. So, and what I mean by that is if we're, if I go into a location and there's a demonic entity there, if I call upon, you know, Jesus Christ or the Buddha or something like that, it hurts them. It, it, It really, by some universal law, it like cancels them out of the universe and throws them back into the universe they are originating from. So that's one of the fail-safes. Fail Another fail-safe is that spirits, if they don't originate here, they can't really exist here if they're being observed. And this is also confirmed through quantum physics. There is a principle out there called the uncertainty principle, and it states that the observer collapses the quantum state. Uh, this is best illustrated through the slit, um, the, the what is it called, the slit experiment, where 
if somebody's looking at these, I, I think it's protons or something, hitting a hitting a, a wall, there's two of them. But as soon as they look away, there's three of them. But if they look back, there's two of them again. So this means that if you're observing something, it you're, you're actually changing it. You're you're looking yeah. at it. You're changing the experiment or whatever. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you go through the entire history of the paranormal field, you'll find that. Every time a manifestation or something like that authentically is caught on film, it's always because a camera pans over into where the manifestation is happening. It never just happens in the middle of a frame. And if it does, it only lasts like a couple of seconds long. So this is the uncertainty principle at play. This states that if I'm observing a, a, a point in space and time, where a spirit is trying to manifest, it cannot because this principle will kick it back out. So this is why this hand that that uh, materialized in front of me only existed for, I think it was like eight frames of video, which is like one third of a second. So there's a lot of things at play with this one manifestation uh, that happened at this Oliver house. And that's one of the reasons I just loved going there. Yeah, I would love to go there. Is it, it what? What is it? I mean, is it a historic? Lo, lo, I mean, t- just tell us what it. I don't know what it is. If it's a restaurant or yeah. a hotel sure. or what is it exactly? Yeah, it was a hotel. It was the very first hotel in Toledo, and it was built in 1855. And it just has this incredible backstory to it, where it was a luxurious hotel up until like 18, the nineties and then it became a flat house and a poor house. And then it was scheduled for demolition and then became, you know, part of the historical society. So they, they, they brought it back. So it's got a wonderful history. And of course, during that time, there's about a hundred people that died in the building over the years. So the place is just overrun with spirits. Like everybody that works there, they've had all had their own encounters. So it's just, a fun place to visit if you're a ghost enthusiast. Awesome. All right. Now let's, um, I want to talk about, um, something, just something that maybe happened to you that was unnerving. Can you tell us that? Sure. So I was, I used to be a a ghost hunting tour guide for five years. And this was at a place called Collingwood Arts Center. And, uh, there was, this used to be a place where it, it was a school for um, that was run by nuns. So it was kind of like a Catholic institution. And what happened was in the 80s, uh, the, the school ran out of money and it, it sat vacant for like 10 years. Well, it always got broken into. And, you know, these vandals, what they would do, they'd, they'd go down in the basement, spray paint pentagrams everywhere, do their demonic rituals, and they brought something in. So when I was doing tours there, most of the time I would interact with the nuns or the past students that died there. But there's always that one off occasion where I interact with that some demonic dark force that was conjured in there in the 80s. Every time that thing came around, I was just like, oh, my God, I I don't know if I can deal with this. (laughs) But it was really creepy. Uh, The one time that was really unnerving is I had a whole tour group down in the basement, and uh, I, I had a couple meters sitting out. And this whole thing started to ramp up. Uh, we, we had a couple belligerent people in the group that kind of kicked this whole thing off. 
And they're just being, oh, man, I, I was just like, oh, you guys need to go. Well, whatever they said kind of stirred things up. And, and the meters, you could just feel the the energy kind of shift slowly. And if you look at the meters, I, I've never seen anything like this happen before, even on TV, TV shows. But the like if a spirit's in the area, they'll, they'll flip the meter and it'll happen or it'll stay lit for like a second, two seconds, whatever. This, whatever, whatever was coming in, when it spiked the meter, it stayed lit. The meter would go to one light, then two light, then three, and stop and just stay steady at three. Then the meter right next to it went up one light, two light, three. And I was like, whoa, what is going on here? And, and later I'm like, okay, three, you know, it's the devil mocking God. They like to use that that number three numerology uh, because that's how long Jesus was on the cross for. So it stayed lit at three, and you could just feel just something really dark coming into the room. And as it came into the room, you could we had a couple lights, like the exit signs on the ed, on the sides of the uh, the room there. And as the energy shifted, you could see the light being sucked out of the room. It started getting very dark, where you could hardly see these. Exit signs. So those started to fade away, and all of a sudden, people were like, I'm seeing a shadow. I'm seeing a shadow. So everybody started freaking out about seeing shadows racing across the, the room. Uh, I saw a flash of light where I had no idea, I have no idea where it originated from. I played the audio back later. I heard somebody screaming from off in the distance. I'm like, what in the world? And the the whole I, I just remember at the time thinking oh this gets out of hand I, I don't know what I'm gonna do here because I, I was kind of just starting out with uh, doing the uh, tours but the whole the whole incident happened about five six minutes long and then it just faded away as quickly as it came and I kid you not all the meters in the room just went three lights two lights one light and it was gone so that was I mean it, I, I wish every skeptic of the, the, the spirit world could be in that room because that would have really changed their mind real quick. <laughs> That's awesome. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, are you currently doing any ghost touring now? I mean, or do you still do that or what do you do exactly right now? No, I don't do the ghost tours anymore. Uh, I kind of split off from that. I, I wanted to do something different. So right now I'm doing the, uh, the ghost doctor show. And I just love doing that because I'm able to, get into my classification system and really show something uh really shows something new that people haven't seen before uh one of the last episodes that i posted was was i, I call it the vaudeville spirit and this was interesting because uh when i was doing the tours uh there was this one spirit that i would interact with where we had a vaudeville act never seen anything like this ever happened before or heard of anybody else interacting with the dead this way. But I would take, and this happened, this would happen every single time, mind you, I would take a group into the basement uh, and I would start talking to the spirit down there and there would be a lull in the conversation where the conversation would just drop off and I'm like, well, are you bored with us? What's going on? Why aren't you talking to us anymore? <laughs> so then I'd be like, are you bored? I'd go through that line of questioning. And then I'd be like, well, do you want us to liven things up a bit? Uh, and, and then I'd say, well, do you want us to smack someone? And then I'd have a plant in the audience 
say, do you want us to, to snap Chris? And then all of a sudden, every single light, every single meter would just go off to signify, yes, please slap Chris. And every time that happened, everybody in the room would just erupt in laughter. And That's this would funny. happen. This would happen every single time without fail. And it was just a vaudeville act. The, the spirit, you know, I questioned the spirit many times afterwards, like, do you really want to smack me? And the spirit is just like, no, I don't want to smack you. So they were just there to elicit that laughter from the crowd. It got them every single time. So it was amazing. That is awesome. All right. I've really enjoyed this conversation, Chris. I want you to tell my listeners where they can find out more information about you or anything else you're working on. Sure, absolutely. I, I hope you watch the Ghost Doctor channel. It's on YouTube. Just type in Ghost Doctor Chris because there's another Ghost Doctor program that just started in Korea, I think it is, and they've kind of taken over the uh, word search in that. <laughs> so I'm kind of battling that. Um, I've got a book called Ghost Hunting 2.0, which gets into a lot of deep concepts that you've never heard before. And uh, a lot of the current day ghost hunters are kind of like cherry picking from it and stealing it, which I make, which drives me insane but uh that that's what's going on right now uh so i've got the book i've got the channel and uh yeah that's awesome that's awesome chris well um i'll tell you what i will have the links for your book and your website many blessings to you and i really appreciate your time oh thank you yeah anything you want to talk about pertaining to the afterlife i'm there thank you for listening i invite you to follow my other podcast mysterious radio Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle, who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter code FACE at checkout. That's harrys.com, code FACE. Enjoy!